Y'all, Revelation is really the story of how Jesus responds and reacts to all these crazy things that we just love reading about and, and studying about for end times. It's how Jesus reacts to things like Armageddon and the Antichrist and the Mark of the Beast and uh, Great Tribulation and all of these things. The Revelation is about how Jesus responds and reacts to all of them. So far, we have been in Revelation for about a total of 10 weeks. Uh, I'm going to wind up preaching throughout this entire, I'm going to preach the entire book here eventually. Uh, chapter 1, what we saw is that we were introduced and we were given to the vision of the resurrected Jesus. John was on Patmos, gets a vision. Chapter number two and three, we talked about the seven letters that, uh, to the uh, churches and seven minor, and we unpacked all of those. Chapter three, uh, we were invited into the uh, throne room of heaven. I'm sorry, chapter four, we were invited into the throne room of heaven, and we saw that the throne was occupied and God is in control. Chapter five, we saw that there was a, uh, a sealed scroll in heaven with seven seals, and the Lamb was the one who was worthy to open them up. In chapter 6, we witness the events that accompany the breaking of the six of seven seals. In chapter 7, we saw the sealing of 144 supernaturally in charge Jewish evangelists that were released upon the earth to uh, win those to Christ who've never heard the message before. Last week, we were in chapter 8, and what we saw there is if we're allowed to see the seventh seal breaking. And when that seventh seal broke, what comes out of that are what's called the trumpet judgments a war trumpet a battle judgment not a shofar leading to repentance but a trumpet leading to war a battlefield and that's what we saw chapter 8 allowed us to see that trumpet being blown tribulation is happening unspeakable judgment of god is unleashed on the planet in an incredible way just as a way of review we saw the first trumpet had brought hail and fire mixed with blood in it and it was hurled down to the earth one-third of the vegetation on the planet is, is ruined, made uh, unusable when that event happens. That's the first trumpet that blows. There's an ecological catastrophe that happens. Second trumpet. The Bible says something like a huge mountain, all ablaze, was thrown into the sea. The effect, and by the way, the three-fourths of the world is covered by salt water. Uh, a tremendous amount of sea creatures are killed, pop, uh, polluting the, uh, the, the, the oceans. It's going to stink. Tremendous amount of pollution. I don't know if this is a meteor or a comet. I don't know if it's a, an asteroid. I don't know. Um, it may very well be a natural body that falls from the heavens into the oceans. But even if it's natural, it's not, it's not accidental. Okay? Um, it is planned. I got a feeling when this happens. By the way, I believe the church is already raptured when this occurs. I could be wrong on that, but I don't think I am. Um, this is what will be on CNN and Fox News. Asteroid makes it through our system undetected. And it'll hit the earth, disrupting the flow of our, our oceans. The third trumpet blows, says a great star, blazing like a torch, fell from the sky. A third of the rivers, this one affects the, the, the fresh water, the potable water. Uh, a, a great star, blazing like a torch, fell from the sky. A third of the rivers and the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. Uh, so there's another heavenly body that hits the earth. And a third of the fresh water on the earth is made unpotable. Fourth trumpet a third of the sun was struck and a third of the moon and a third of the stars wouldn't shine there's something that happens in the atmosphere i don't know if it's dusk hey do you remember uh, you remember whenever there's a a wildfire or a forest fire out west how our sky changes here tim that's what's going to happen i don't know what happens with this impact of the earth and things but it could very well be uh miss sharon that all that stuff that has been kicked up into the atmosphere prevents the sun from, from shining through. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm speculating there. What I do know that there is a drastic atmospheric change on the planet as these trumpets are blown. 
we learn that it's the prayers of the saints who've been praying for 2,000 years and before that in another way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As these trumpets are blown, what we're seeing is we're seeing those prayers answered. Because God is in the process of restoring creation. We're receiving the prophetic insight, but I want you to remember, Revelation is all about Jesus. Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, and I'm going to read two different translations to you, because one of them to me impacts me more than the other. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus Christ as a spirit of prophecy. Love what the Living Bible translation says, same verse, different wording. Worship God, the purpose of all prophecy is uh, the, the, the purpose of all prophecy and all that I have shown you is to tell about Jesus. All of it's about Him. How He responds, uh, responds and reacts in end times. Church, we've learned that in chapter 9, we're about to learn that we understand in chapter 9, we're about to understand why heaven went silent for about 30 minutes because they looked at the plan that God had and all they could say is, oh my gosh. Oh my. They couldn't say anything. They were God. And we're about to see that. In chapter 9, we're going to see verse, we're going to see, uh, we're going to see the fifth and sixth trumpet. Trumpet 5. I wish I had a really fancy title for this particular point, but here it is. It's ugly. Revelation. I'm not real smart. This is just the title for that point. It's ugly. Uh, let's look at, I'm going to read the, uh, I'm going to read the uh, uh, even. And church, you're going to read the odd. Let's do that. You're going to read the even, and I'm going to read the odd. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the abyss. Church. And out of the smoke, locusts came down upon the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. Church. They were not given power to kill them, but only to torture them for five whole months. And the agony they suffered was like that of being, uh, like that of a sting of a scorpion when it strikes a man. Church. Would you read that one? Would you read that chapter, uh, verse six, for me one more time, church? The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. On their heads, they wore something like crowns of gold, and their faces resembled human faces. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. They had as king over them the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon. In Greek, it is Apollyon. In English, it's destroyer. Church? When we see the fifth trumpet blown, we see that there is a star that falls. Now, this star is different than what we saw in the second and third trumpets. This is a different... Um, uh, 
the second and third trumpets, this is different altogether. What, when we see the fifth trumpet, what's released is not an asteroid, a comet, or something like that. The star in the fifth trumpet is a person, a being, some type of an entity. Different than what we've seen in the past. The devil is the star. He's being kicked out of heaven. We're going to, pack, we're going to unpack that in a moment, but I, I do want to show you something. In Job chapter 38, verse 7, it is not uncommon for angels to be called stars. In fact, the bright and morning star. We see that before. Even after Satan was kicked out of heaven, way, way, way on the back, even after Satan was kicked out of heaven, he still had access to go to God to be the accuser of the brethren. Brother Mike, I've never heard that. I thought when the devil got kicked out of heaven, there was a sign that says no trespassing for him. Well, that's really not the case. In fact, the Bible tells us in the book of Job, chapter 1, verse 6, there is some type of, a, uh, there is some type of an arrangement where Satan is allowed to go to heaven to accuse us before God. The Bible says in Job 1, 6 through 7, and by the way, I believe every, I believe every word in the Bible. Every word of it, okay? So if this is what the Bible says happens, this is what I believe happens. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves. And I, those sons of God, I believe, would have been fallen angels because the rebellion in heaven took place before this. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, hey, uh, where are you coming from? Why are you here? Then Satan answered, the Lord said, I've been roaming the earth. Looking, walking around it. During the tribulation period, this arrangement that God has with the devil, or maybe the devil has with God, it gets shut down. The devil is not allowed to accuse anyone else. He's not allowed to, to go up and talk to God and get permission to do anything. God says, all right, the door is shut. Well, preach, I've never heard that. Well, um, during, the great uh, during the tribulation period, that access is removed after this happens. There is a war in heaven. We just saw in Job, in Job chapter 1 that the devil went up there with a bunch of his flunky friends. We're going to call them fallen angels. They're demons. And this happens for a long time. But until there's a war in heaven. And then that door is closed. Preach, I've never heard that. Revelation chapter 12. And by the way, we're going to be in Revelation 12 week after next. And I'll give you some of the timing on this. But in Revelation 12, I think we see the antecedent. We see the battle that makes the devil kicked out for good. No more access. This is what the Bible says. Then there was a war in heaven. Michael and the angels, heaven sealed team six under his command, fought the dragon and his host of fallen angels. Okay. And the dragon lost the battle and was forced from doors closed. The great dragon, well, who's that preach? Well, he's the ancient serpent called it's the devil, Satan. We're, 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 we're being told exactly what that symbolism represents. The one deceiving the whole world was thrown down onto the earth with all of his army. He is kicked out of heaven. I think it ticks the devil off. I think he is hangry. I think he's like a, a hangry man and the buffet closes in seven minutes. He knows he's got very limited time. We've got to make this time count. We're going to do everything we can. And I think that's where the devil's at. He's hangry with a buffet that closes at seven in seven minutes. And he releases all that anger on humanity. Um, Satan's given the keys. This is very interesting. Satan is given the keys to the bottomless pit or the abyss. Now, I believe that this abyss or this bottomless pit, I believe that it is, it, it is a special, unique compartment in the underworld where the most vilest, demonic, cruel, horrific, murderous, destructive demons 
that have ever been a part of the devil's army are locked under lock and key. How long have they been there? I think that these particular demons inside the bottomless pit, inside the abyss, that's marked for the most vilest offenders of the angelic beings, I think that these were the angels that shortly after creation, they left their angelic being form so they could have relations with human beings. And as weird as that sounds to us, it's like, oh man, that's weird. If you look at the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, angels went to Sodom and Gomorrah, and the men in that town wanted to hook up with them. Now that sounds weird to us too, but you know what? It wasn't then. Because it was, that's, that was what happened. And so, I believe after the flood or pre-flood or whatever, God takes these demons that, that had tried to make human blood, human, human race, unredeemable. So we couldn't be saved. So he was going to pollute the blood. Demons can't be redeemed. Angels, fallen angels can't be redeemed. So the thought was to ruin our DNA, ruin our blood. Some preacher, I've never heard that. Well, I'm just telling you that was, that's what happened. The devil is given the keys to the door for the most vilest angelic beings in the universe. What do you think he's going to use that key for? He's going to open the pit. And these are the worst dudes of the worst. These are the ones who, who, who caused so much disruption. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4. And you might be saying, well, preach, I've never heard that. That sounds like strange fire. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of, for how long? Reserved for, that's an end time thing. So we know that there are certain angels that are in the bottomless pit, where there are angels in the abyss. In fact, Jude, in the book of Jude, right there in the end of the, Old, uh, right in the, end of the New Testament, Jesus' half-brother, he kind of gives us a little bit of this. And if you're interested in things like the book of Jubilee and the book of Enoch, um, Jude, Jude is your go-to person for this. Jude chapter 1, verse 6 through 7. And angels who do not keep their own domain, their angelic being, their spiritual office, but they abandoned their proper abode... Now, don't ask me how this happened. I don't know. But here's the thing. I've already made a decision to believe the Bible, whether I understand it or not. If it says it, I believe it. I don't have to wrestle with it or convince myself that it's real. I've already made the pre-decision before I got there. He has kept them in eternal bounds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah, and by the way, I might make, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they are the same way as those indulged in gross immorality and went after what? I don't know how much stranger you get than, a, than an angel in human form. Are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal life. Church, there are certain fallen angels that left their, I've already told you all that, the offspring of the unholy union, maybe some of you know this, the offspring of that unholy union between uh, demonic fallen angels and women they pre, pre uh, they, they made giants that's where you have uh, that's where you have Goliath and his brothers from Gad that's where you have giants all over and, you know uh, you go home and google this because this is incredible uh, y'all there have been giant bones found all over the world within a hundred miles of here you go home and google it uh, 
they've, they've, they've found giant bones. And if, and if you're saying, oh, Brother Mike, you're crazy, do yourself a favor. Go home and, and Google 2002 Kandahar giant. By the way, understand that I believe every word of the Bible. And so the idea that, that this is real, the idea that, that giants happened, the idea that, that giants were a part of this whole ugly mess, I, I accept that. And that's why they were put under lock and key because they made such a tremendous wreck of everything. The offspring of that unholy union was an attempt, a, strate- a satanic strategy meant to make mankind unredeemable by polluting it. The abyss, the pit of these ancient, uh, the, uh, of these ancient vilest angels, no demon ever wants to go there because the, even the demons know that that's the place you don't want to go to. Hell's bad enough, but don't send me there. Preacher, I've never heard of that either. You're crazy. Luke, Jesus is out there casting demons out of people. And the demons speak to him. And they say, hey man, do whatever you want to do with us. Send us in them hogs over there and we'll just go jump in the Galilee. But whatever you do, please, Luke 8.31, they kept begging Jesus, don't throw us into the... Those dudes down there are bad. What's opened in the Great Tribulation? The great bottomless pit. All right, we're a prison town. Bryce, what kind of day do you think we'd have if they opened every gate and every door and every sally port down there at Menard and they just released him in the Chester? Let's don't stop there, Chris. Let's go on up to the hill. Let's open every door, every lock, every gate, every sally port. Let's release him in the Chester. Let's not stop there. Corey, let's go on out. CMHC. Let's lock, let's unlock every door, every gate, every sally port. What are y'all going to do this afternoon? Lock the door, hide, leave town? Wouldn't that be horrible? Worst of the worst. Things that men do that we can't even begin to imagine. But let's not stop in Chester. Let's go on up to Pontiac. Let's go everywhere. Let's open all the doors. Death row, sexual offenders, doesn't matter. Let's let them all out. Let's not in America. Let's just go the whole world. All the prisons. Let's go, boys. That sounds like hell on earth to me. But that's nothing compared to when those demons who have been hungry for thousands of years get released and they come back up. I want you to imagine all the doors and sally ports and gates of hell being released on the earth. Satan's given the keys. He lets them all out. Of course he would. How much pain is afflicted by these demons and these stings? For five months, church. For five months. These, and by the way, I don't think they're, they're locusts. I ain't scared of locusts. I am scared of something that stings me enough that makes me want to die and I can't die. I don't think these are locusts per se. I think what the locust symbolism was, and I'm speculating, but if you've ever seen a swarm of locusts, it looks like a cloud that comes, <laughs> comes in on the field. I think that's what that is a symbol of. Because the imagery that John gives us, that doesn't describe a locust. In fact, I've never known a locust taking down an animal. I've always known locusts to take down trees, plants, and vegetation. These locusts don't eat plants, trees, and vegetation. They're hitting people. They're different. It's a spiritual thing. 
As far as the demon's appearance it goes, if it had anything to do with causing heaven to... And here's the thing, I think those demons are so horrific, maybe that's the reason the angels in heaven and all of heaven got silent for 30 minutes. All they could do was... Mm. Dang. Maybe that's all they could do. I mean, it's literally hell on earth, church. I found an interesting parallel between Revelation 9 and Joel chapter 2. God is using an army in Joel chapter 2 to come in to bring Israel back to him. And by the way, God will use an enemy army to come to his people in an attempt to bring his people back to him. He'll use whatever he, he wants to. He's God. I want you to see this. Joel chapter 2 verse 11 and 2. The Lord thunders at the head of his army. Church, say his army. It's an advancing army from the enemy, but God is saying, I'm using that to bring my people back. His forces are beyond number, and mighty are those who obey His command. The day of the Lord is great, it is dreadful. Who can endure? Even now, declares the Lord, return to me. He was using all that mess to try to get Israel to return. He was using that army to get Israel to turn. Church, when He says return, the word, the, the prefix re means to come back, or to again, or to make new. Even as the enemy is at the gate, God had one message for the people. He's saying, I know it's bad. I know the enemy's at the gate. I know they're pressing in on me. But the reason I'm doing it is because I want you to return. He wasn't doing it to destroy them. He was doing it to bring them back. He was doing it to bring them into salvation. He was doing it to bring them back into relationship. Church, is God judging the world right now? Is God shaking the world right now? Well, if He is, I don't know who He is. Well, why is he doing that, Mike? I think it's the same reason as always. I think the reason why God judges the world is because he wants people to return or to come to him. He wants us to draw closer to him. And the sting of conviction, the sting of conviction is meant to spare us from the sting of condemnation. Conviction comes in all shapes and sizes, but it's always the same destination. The Holy Spirit convicts us so we will return to God. Always. Conviction is not just feeling bad about what we've done or having shame about our mistakes. Church, to be sorry with your mind only, the only thing you're going to have is regret. I wish I wouldn't have done that. If all you do is feel sorry with your emotions, all you'll do is feel remorse. But church, when we are convicted with our heart, willing enough to die to, die to self, to stop that sin, that's called repentance, and repentance brings revival. Church, we're not looking for regret or remorse. We're looking for renewal. We're looking for renewal. Let's go to trumpet six. The army of the damned. I'm going to read the odd church. You're going to read the even. The six, I'm going to read the odd. You're going to read the even. The sixth angel sounded its trumpet, and I heard a voice coming from the horns of the golden altar that is before God. Church. I ain't going to lie to you, that's a rough start. And the four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour and the day and the month and the year were released to kill the third of mankind. Church, the number. The horses and the riders I saw in my vision looked like this. Man, their breastplates were finally red, dark blue, and yellow as sulfur. The heads on the horses resembled the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. Church, a third. Now, I want you to notice where the power of these horses come from. When we think of the power of a horse that comes from their legs, but the power of these horses come from their mouth and their tail. These are supernatural things. These aren't horses like you and I think of. 
the power of the horses was in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails were like snakes, having heads with which they inflict injury. Church, the rest of mankind. Nor did they. Nor did they. Don't forget this, guys. The reason why God convicts us of our sin is for one reason. The one reason every seal is broken. The one reason every trumpet is blown. The reason that every bowl is spilled is he wants us to repent. It's not because he's mean. It's not because he's angry. It's not because he hates us. He loves us. If he didn't love us, he wouldn't give us this time. But the sole goal is repentance. Nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, and their sexual immorality or their thefts. Can you imagine going through five months of hell on earth, people wanting to die and can't die, and not going to Jesus? I mean, during that five months when these things are released on the earth, the, I had you read it a couple of times. They want to die, but they can't die. I mean, can you imagine taking a gun and wanting to extinguish your life and the gun doesn't work? Climb to the top of a building and jump off and sorry, you got to do it again because you want to die and you can't die. Taking poison, it doesn't work. There's five months that hell, hell is released on earth and people can't die as much as they want to. But when we got to the sixth trumpet, now they're dying. Church, we, we look at this text and people get all... They, oh, there's a, the river of Euphrates. That's got to be a country. A 200 million army will preach. There can be no other nation but China that could do that. It's talking about China. Uh, we, we, we hear, and Oh, these must be a Black Hawk Apache helicopter is talking about over there. I don't know. In fact, I'm not going to get bogged down with it. I do know this. I don't think this is a physical army uh, because how many horses are there and troops on the horses? Do you remember? 200 million. There's only 60 million horses in the world. I, don't, I can't do that math. It don't work. So I think these are, these are a, a demonic army that's been released. I think that these are, are demons. I think, that these, I think that's the reason they look so weird and they look so odd and we can't get our head around them. I don't, I don't think they're Apache helicopter. I could be wrong. I just, I'm just telling you what I think. I'm making purely speculation. Verse 19, I do know that this, the power of the horse was in the mouth and the tail. Makes zero sense in the physical realm. Unless you've been bitten by a horse. But, you know, I mean, typically, you don't die over a horse bite. It's because they kick in your chest. Unlike the scorpion sting of the first passage that stung and left people wanting to die, these stings, they kill you dead. The Bible says in verse 15, And the four angels who had been kept away for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill. So every three people you know, one of them's dead. Trying to assign the who and the where and the when distracts the real question of this text. People talk about China, Euphrates, 200 million people, blah, blah, blah. To me, that's window dressing meant to distract away from the real reason. Why? Why is Jesus doing this? What's the reaction? What do we need to... What's our, what's our takeaway? It's here. It's there in verse 21. Literally, we see exactly why all of this stuff's going down. Nor did they... Dang. 
You mean Jesus is doing all that so people will come to Him? Jesus is doing all that so people will get saved? Jesus is doing all that to come to the cross? Church, He's talking to a, he's talking to a, to a, a generation that had no regard for life. They had, uh, uh, they had tremendous occult communicating with the dead, sexual perversions of all varieties, lawlessness, a time when everyone does what is right in their own eyes. And God is saying, I want to bring you back. Church, one would think that after five months of hell on earth, then torment, more death from demonic armies, there would be a revival. Everybody would be on their knees saying, glory to God in the highest. But they don't. Stings of conviction are meant to drive us to the cross. Stings of, uh, of conviction are meant to drive us to our knees. Stings of conviction are meant to drive us to the heart of God. Stings of conviction are meant to drive us to worship and to the Word and to our faith. When we get convicted, it's always Jesus trying to draw us back into a relationship. And let me tell you something. What the Spirit of God is speaking to us today is a, spirit of convi uh, is a, is a sting of conviction as a nation. Our nation, church, we're going to answer for the blood of innocence that have been shed here. We've done things in this nation that would make King Herod blush. We'll answer. America's going to have to answer for her uh, enamorous affair with the occult and black magic. I showed you about a month ago the concert down in Houston with all the demonic symbolism. We're going to have to answer for that. We're going to have to answer as a nation for the celebrating uh, for uh, for for celebrating sexual perversion and demonizing sexuality and gender the nation will answer oh we get all behind that but you know what so's mike fogerson i'm going to have to answer tim hall is going to have to answer jeff you're going to have to answer how are we doing we're going to have to answer so how are we doing it's far better it's far better to be hit with the sting of conviction than the sting of condemnation. It's much better to be stung with the sting of conviction than the sting of condemnation. Again, church, I believe the Spirit's still speaking to us. Joel chapter 2. I'm going to go back to Joel. Jesus, or the Lord says to the nation, rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He's gracious. He's compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and he relents from sin and calamity. Let the priest who minister before the Lord weep before the temple porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the people, where is their God? Church, if God has given us the sting of conviction, we better listen to him. I'm not a sports fan, but I, I know how it works. You ever seen a pitcher on a mound, and there's a catcher down on the other end, and that dude... Or do that, I guess. Uh, uh, she'll, she or he will bend down and they start making fingers down there. I guess the, the, the catcher is telling the pitcher what he or she should throw. You know, slider, curve, stinky. I don't know what they call them. Uh, uh, but if that catcher is giving that old boy signals or that old gal signals... Send the heat, and he throws a curve. Send the heat, throws a slider. Send the heat, and she throws a stinky. Uh, and if that, if that pitcher 
just does what he or she wants, what do you think that catcher is going to start doing? Or maybe stop doing. What's that catcher going to stop doing? Going to stop signaling. You're going to do what you want. Go ahead. I'm going to stay here. But you throw what you want. This is out of DeGroff's book. It's an incredible illustration. The catcher got to the point where he realized that pitcher's not going to listen to me. I'm going to stop signaling. He's going to do what he wants. You think Jesus ever gets tired of convicting you and me? And he says, if you're going to do what you want, I'll just stop sending you signals. I love you. I'm going to stay here down here. And I'm going to catch what you do, and I'll be here to catch you when you fall. But I'm, I'm going to stop signaling you because you ain't listening to me. What a tragic thing. You know, we don't like the sting of conviction very much, but can I tell you something as your friend and as your pastor? If you no longer feel the sting of conviction, it might be because the Holy Spirit stopped signaling you because you haven't listened to this point. And if you bypass the sting of conviction, you'll get the sting of condemnation. But you don't have to. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. There was a very poignant quote in the Groff's book, The Ten Second Rule. And Groff quotes Tolstoy when he says, Everybody wants to change humanity, but nobody wants to change themselves. This morning, if the Holy Spirit has been giving you a sting of conviction, Maybe it's over what you watch on TV. Maybe it's what you see on the internet. Maybe it's the jokes you tell at work. Maybe it's the stuff you send on, uh, online. Maybe it's, it's angry with your wife. Maybe it's adultery. Maybe it's, maybe it's, it's anger. Maybe it's, maybe it's unfaithfulness with giving or your time. Maybe it's not being in the Word, but the Holy Spirit has just been stinging you and stinging you and stinging you and stinging you. Maybe for five months. We think those people are crazy because they've been stung for five months, but yet they didn't change. How long has the Holy Spirit been stinging you? What about you? i got stuff in my life. Holy Spirit's been stinging me for 30 years about. But my friend, today I want, you to, I want you to be sensitive and open to the Holy Spirit stinging your heart right now. Allow your hearts to be softened by the Spirit's sting of conviction. Hear Him calling you out of death and into life. without much more. If you know what, what it is in your life that the Holy Spirit is stinging you about, a sting of conviction, you know it's something that God wants gone. You know that it's something that does not bring Him glory or honor. You know it's something that doesn't look like Jesus at all. And he's been flat out beating you up, not giving you any relief, but yet you still haven't changed. He's signaling, but you're not throwing the heat. Today, if you would make a decision, say, hey, Mike, I get it. And today, if you would allow the sting of conviction to come to you over that area of your life and say, hey, Mike, I want to get serious about this. I understand it now. I get it. 
I'm not going to ask you to, to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to do anything like that. But today, if, if you understand this thing of conviction, and it's not meant by God to drive you nuts, it's meant by God to drive you to the cross. It's not meant to make you feel bad. It's meant to make you look more like Him. Today, if you know that you've got one of those things of conviction that you've just been ignoring and hoping it'd go away, but today you're going to give it to Jesus. We just lift your hand and you can put it right back. Okay, great. Wow. Didn't have to beg or nothing. Anybody else? Right on. Right on. See it in the back. Anybody else? Anyone else? Amen. As your heads are continuing to be bowed and your eyes are closed, church, I'm just going to ask you to stand to your feet. As your heads bowed and your eyes are closed, today, if you don't know... Today, if you don't know if, if you would spend an eternity in heaven, if this would be your last day above ground, do not leave this house today without knowing where your eternity is going to be spent. Christian, maybe you're here today and you've let your faith wander and get off track. Well, today's the day to come back. Today's the day to reaffirm your faith, surrender completely and wholly. So today, if you'd like to recommit yourself to him for the first time or maybe for the 10,000th time, I'm going to encourage you to pray with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. I am broken. I am ruined. Lord God, today I hear you. I hear you speaking to me. Lord, I believe you are the Son of God. You died on the cross in my place to set me free. Jesus, today I give you my life. I want to live for you. I want to love people. I want to live like Jesus. Thank you for loving me. For talking to me. And for stinging me. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And amen. Y'all, we're going to open up the invitation this morning. We're going to open up the invitation this morning. If you would like to come forward and just spend some time in prayer between you and God. Saying, Lord, I've been, I've been ignoring the, the sting of conviction for too long. But today, I heard it. I understand it. It's been explained to me. I get it. I know what you were trying to do. And I understand. The invitation is open.